Let's open our Bibles up to Ephesians chapter 6. As we are just cruising along, aren't we? Ephesians chapter 6, the last chapter in Ephesians. The last few weeks, we have been looking at the marriage relationship from God's perspective. And so, we come to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to look at the first four verses. So, if you would, please stand with me as we read the Word of God. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Father, we need your Holy Spirit this morning to be our teacher. And we pray, God, that you would bring wonderful insights for children, for parents, especially fathers. And Lord, we fall short as fathers. But Lord, it's our great desire to hear from your word this morning that would enlighten us. Maybe renew us, as it is our desire to follow you in all of your ways, Lord, to bring glory to you in the work that you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, at the heels of Ephesians chapter 5, which, as you remember, Wives, you have the exhortation. (laughs) Wives, be subject (laughs) to your husbands. Husbands, turn off your phones. I know you know. (laughs) So the exhortation we see from the the Lord in perspective of marriage, wives have a role that is to submit to their husbands. Husbands, as we have covered for the last couple of weeks, are to love their wives as Christ has loved the church. And uh, if you have missed the last couple of weeks, you can uh, get a copy of the message. Because, uh, you know, if you're a wife and you were here a few weeks ago, Oh, uh, you know, you got, or excuse me, if you weren't here for the first part of it, you would not have received submit to your husband. And maybe you just were here and you got husbands love your wives as Christ has loved the church. So we need to read all the scripture, don't we? Now, I want to back up a minute. I want to clarify something I said during announcements. I encourage the body of Christ here to come to the prayer meeting on Sunday night. That's not just for our church. We want you to invite friends and other believers. We want to pray for the whole body of Christ. That just came to my mind. I wanted to put that out there. So as we continue in the family relationship, we now have the exhortation to children as well as the husband, father, and really 
both parents and the role of parenting. You know, the family is so precious to God, so precious to the Lord. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's oftentimes said, and it's to be true, is that how the family goes is how society goes. You take away the family. The family is like the backbone of the culture, the society. And you take that away, then things certainly move away from God's way. And, you know, we can say, well, the, the family is under attack today. The family has always been under attack from the enemy. Way back when Adam and Eve were together, right? They, they you know, were tempted by the enemy. And why is that? Well, because the enemy knows the work that God wanted to do. And if the enemy can break up the family, he can break up or attempts to break up God's plan for man. And God's plan for man certainly involves family as a society. So let's be reminded then as we go into chapter 6 that at the, the mindset from you know, the Apostle Paul as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this letter in which believers would be reading at that time, and it's the Holy Spirit teaching you and I what God's perspective is for, for marriage and now as we look at the role of, uh, in the family. But go back, if you would, uh, back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, but be being filled. And so this is the mindset for marriage, and it's also for children and as fathers and parents as we look at this passage. That's at, that's at the mindset. And also, if you would look at Ephesians 5, 21, where it says, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Those are two foundational things that we must have in our mind as we read Ephesians chapter 4 or chapter 6 verses 1 through 4. So in all of this be reminded that God has created this harmony of authority and we talked about that in the role of the husband being the spiritual leader of the family and the wife submitting to the husband certainly does not mean that the wife is inferior in any way, except God has called the man to be the spiritual leader of the home. At the same time, as we enter into the family relationship, there is that, you know, the harmony, the spiritual harmony that God has created. It is the father and the wife and then the children. And again, we see this authority, this spiritual harmony of authority throughout all of life in the workplace, in school, in family, and everywhere God, we see this. In church, we, we see it everywhere. So let's look again, as we have, for the role of the wife in the marriage and the role of the husband in the marriage. There's a prerequisite to all of this when it comes to children obeying. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27 once again. Therefore, and again, these are the words of Jesus. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, 
for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Then rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. And so what Jesus was saying, there, there must be a willingness to what? To look at the Lord. To look at His words and for His word to be priority in our life. If that is not in place, then everything, even as we looked with the wife and the husband, now children and father parenting, it crumbles. Because you can't pick up your Bible and say, now, child, you need to obey me because the Bible says, if you, parent, are not following the Lord, you need to go back to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, because the Word of God is our foundation, a firm foundation as we sing this morning. So when we look at this, this world that we live in, I hope you realize and hope in your heart that, is, that it's quickened to realize there's something wrong in our society. When we think in terms of family, and it goes back to what we just read in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, the Word of God, God Himself, is not the priority. God has been taken out of the family. And just as God is the author of marriage, He created it, He prescribes the way for a, a godly marriage to be blessed, He's the author of the family. He created it, and as parents, we must follow him to follow his ways and then to teach our children. So that's the foundation as we get into the text here. Uh, chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Children, and let's stop there for a minute. Children. When we think of the word children, what do we think of? We think of the little children, right? Well, Actually, this word children does not just speak to, you know, infants to, you know, some age like 12. No, children here really is speaking anybody under your house, your children. So you always have children, right? So it's not limited to just little kids, as we might think in our, in our mind. But it's very clear here, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. To obey means to submit, to comply with, to heed, to follow directions and instructions. It can literally mean to hear, under which means the child is to listen to the voice of his or her parents attentively and then respond to what they hear with perfect submission. And so children are to hear what the parents say and then to act in perfect submission. Now, right there lies a problem, doesn't it? And as we read this, let's understand the character and nature of God. He is a God of grace for our children, but oh, thank you, Lord, that you give us grace as parents. Did you catch it? It says here, in the Lord. Authority in which, again, God has created a spiritual harmony of authority. And this obedience in, in the home, it's foundational because it leads to obedience throughout life. Let's look at Colossians 
again, this is foundational. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So as children, there needs to have the mindset that as I obey my parents, I'm ultimately, ultimately obeying God, and it is pleasing to God. When you look around, all society, we see this issue. If there's one way to describe children as a majority, not every, not every child, that, that there is a lack of respect to authority. And when there is a lack of authority obeyed in the home, there is going to be a lack of authority in the school, in society in general. And if that isn't checked, that just continues on and on and on. And if you're not, if you're not respecting authority at home, ultimately you're not going to, exp- to be obedient and respect civil authority, the law, And it just continues on. Why are so many kids in trouble today? Because they're not respecting authority. Now I'm not casting blame. I'm not casting blame on the devil. I'm not casting blame on whatever issues we have in society. It really begins at home. And the exhortation for you and I, parent, is in the Lord. We're not to condemn, but this teaching here, as we look in the Word, this is for believers. And it starts... In the Lord. In the Lord. While a child is told to obey his parents, this obedience is conditioned by the behavior of the parents. If the parents are not obeying the Lord, and they're giving instruction to, to children, especially if uh, you know it's something to do that contradicts the Word of God, for instance, I'll just throw this one out. If a, if a parent would tell their child to lie in some fashion... Like, tell the teacher, well, the dog ate your homework. Just tell him, you know. That child doesn't have to follow through with that. And it goes on and on and on. That's just a basic illustration. But when the commands of the parents contradict the clear teaching of the Word of God, that child, like anyone else, has an obligation to put the Lord first. And it says here, for this is right. This is, this is moral law. This is, you know, the statement reveals that a child should obey and honor his parents. And when a child honors and obeys his parents, and again, it's not about perfection, Right? It's about that person having that heart, placing his parents in a place of reverence, being obedient to them. This is right in the eyes of the Lord. It's right. And then we see verse 2. It says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, verse 3, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. That word, That word honor, 
And before maybe we get into the word honor, I got some things uh, that I think you'll agree with me because there's, you know, there's different phases to kids. Would you agree with that? I mean, when them little darn rascals are born, they're just so loving and uh, we love them. And Molly, I remember when you were born, so don't laugh. No, I'm teasing. But, you know, there's different phases. There's that young adolescent where, you know, and they're and I'm thinking in terms of their mindset uh, of parents, right? You remembered as grandparents and parents, and you remember how you thought of your parents when you were very young and adolescent. Don't share it, but be reminded that might be how your children or grandchildren look at you. Well, at that point, young adolescents, as parents, they view them and they can do no wrong. They know everything. They're the uh, smartest guy or gal in the world. And then all of a sudden at the age of puberty, teenage, young teenage, right? Parents know a lot, but they don't know everything. And I could tell this is a little bit old that I got this from because that starts a lot younger now, doesn't it? And then the third phase, the teen years. In their teen years, parents look, or excuse me, they, the teens look at their parents and the parents don't know anything. Right? And then the early 20s, the dreaded early 20s. Parents know more than I thought. And the fifth phase, when they become a parent, they look at their own parents and say, my parents know everything. Again, they've really come around to my thinking. It's interesting to see how kids grow and their view of parents. I mean, I think it's normal for kids in junior high, let's say, to look at their parents and go, man, they're getting old. They're losing it, you know, that type of thing. But I also want us to beware of those are the ages they, that they are heavily influenced. You know, they start listening to music. You understand our kids aren't just listening to praise and worship music all the time. You might do that, but they're not. Or the things that they hear at school. They're not in kindergarten anymore where everything's just fun and you color papers. And you learn the alphabet. As you grow a little bit older, every year they're starting to learn and hear things. And it's up to us as parents to know what they're learning. To to listen to them. And give them that open door to, hey, even though you know it's, you know, to let them share with us, even though it's something, you know, that contradicts the Lord. Some kids are frightened to tell their parents anything that, and fear that they're just going to tell me it's wrong and that's it. We need to let our kids talk and we need to listen to them and then be able to share with them God's perspective. You know, it goes certainly in full circle. Teenagers get to the point that they complain. And, but it's interesting when you look at it, one teenager in the Bible, his name is Jesus. Sometimes they don't think of Jesus as a teenager, right? He's the son of God. Well, let's look at Luke chapter 2, verses 51 and 52. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them, and his mother treasured all these things in her heart. 
And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. That's the New American Standard in the New King James that says, and he was subject to them. Jesus being the Son of God, the one who, would, who is eternal, who would go to the cross for our sins, he subjected himself to Mary and Joseph. Great example for you to bring out to your kids. Bring out the Bible, show that to them. You want to be like Jesus, this is what Jesus did. Do it in love. But Jesus could subjected himself to his parents, his earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, and the result is that he increased in wisdom and stature. You know, when we see this word honor, we see that lacking in our culture, in our society. Really, not just for parents, but honoring anybody. We tend to have a, a thing to honor people that really don't deserve to be honored. You know, sports figures. I love sports, but they just need to play sports and leave politics and everything else alone. Just because they make millions and millions of dollars a year does not elevate them to a place of authority. But the word honor here means to respect, to revere, to hold in high regard. This speaks about a child's attitude, what his parents tell him to do. And isn't it typical that teenagers, they start rolling their eyes? Maybe it's younger these days, rolling their eyes. Anybody ever get in trouble with their parents for doing that? Praise God for honesty. You'll be blessed, child. <laughs> Quit rolling your eyes. Wipe that smirk off your face. But you know, children can be obedient on the outward, but on the inside, despise their parents. We're living in a day when many children are displaying clear disrespect. And we know this is part of the end times. And it all has to do with taking God out of the family. Taking God and prayer out of the schools. Taking God out of society. My goodness, you mentioned the word God. You're going to be looked at differently. And if you say anything about Jesus, you're going to have things said to you. And what is the issue now with Christians is that we back away from that and we just go into our caves. When we should be on the offense not on the defense, but on the offense. Yes, I will pray in public. Yes, I will talk about Jesus. And yes, I will bring up the Father, God. But this disregard for parental authority, it's all zeroes in to not having the Lord. And again, I, I remind you, the exhortation isn't for those who don't know the Lord. This is for us who know the Lord. Don't neglect the Lord. And it says here, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment. Isn't it amazing that this is part of God's moral law, that children honor their mother and father. And it comes with a promise, as it says here, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth, that it may be well, that you might have a quality of life. 
And certainly a quality of life can lead into the quantity. It's not a, an absolute that you can honor your mother and father and then live a long life. I think this more has to do with you know, life in the Lord, a quality of life. And you can say this about anything. You take away the conflict. Let's just use work. Hey, by the way, next week we'll look at being filled with the Spirit in the workplace. Praise the Lord, we need that one, don't we? God's so good. He knows exactly what we need from week to week. But any, any relationship or any situation, if you remove conflict, you're at peace, right? And there's so many homes now that have the children and parent, they're in conflict. And the exhortation from God to children is honor your father and mother. And we can even disagree as our children get older. We might disagree with things about in life, and that's okay. They still should honor us as parents. And then we come to verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now it says fathers here. I do believe the implication for the role of authority in the home that speaks of parents, the mother and father. But it's interesting how the Lord, he, the word fathers, this is specifically speaking to fathers as the spiritual leader of the home. Fathers are to take the lead in the exhortation, these things given, as he's the spiritual leader. It says here, fathers, and right away the Lord is so good, he tells us, do not provoke your children to anger. Why would the Lord put that right here? Because in the natural, this is what we tend to do. And you know, we learn this, don't we? These aren't things that you just make a list, well, okay, I'm going to do this today. I'm not going to provoke my children to anger. These are things that when we follow the Lord, the Spirit of God works in us to do. But the Lord specifically says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. What's that phrase mean? What, what, what are some practical things, the, the, you know, this treatment of fathers provoking their children to anger? Well, I just thought of some things, and maybe they're different for each one of you. I would encourage, as the Lord speaks to you, to write it down. But one thing comes to mind, and I'm guilty of this, is being overprotective. Sometimes we feel like we've got to be overprotective in this heathen world that we live in. Right? But oftentimes, parents refuse to allow their children to grow up, refuse to allow them to make decisions to help them learn and to grow into maturity. And then young people end up resenting being treated like they're, you know, they're immature. And then, here's one thing that parents can do in the family life, dads, fathers, playing favorites. Comparing one child with another, it's always the wrong thing to do. And it's, it's easy to do. And I'm so thankful again for the grace of God in my life as a parent. I think the Lord had a, a sense, or he has a sense of humor with, with 
with us. You know, some of you had children when you were older. And that's not a bad thing. The Lord knew all along before the creation, before he created the whole world. He knew that some of us would have children when we're a little bit older. But it's interesting that God gives grace. You know, one thing my two older children say, both of them agree on, is that you let the little guy get away with a lot more. Have you ever heard that before? Some of it may be, I'm just getting older, I, don't, I can't deal with it. Not really. But you learned to act in the grace that God gives you. We so desperately want our children to act and think and be a certain way, don't we? And sometimes we, we present the law more than we present the grace of God. Do this, don't do that. Well, God's word says that, but then it's filtered with grace. You know, even when you look at the Ten Commandments, it's law, but God knew we couldn't keep the commandments. And the law was never meant to save us. It was meant to be a tutor and to point us to our need of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the same way with parenting. Here's one way that children are provoked to anger from their parents, and especially fathers. Constant discouragement. Children resent the constant criticism and nagging. No child should even ever hear you are no good. I hear this from parents, that their children are no good. Or you are, you're never going to amount to anything. Parents should seek to find an area where the child excels and find ways to compliment them on the achievements. She, you know, children are built in such a way that they need to be encouraged. Think of your own life. We need to be encouraged. Children need approval, and that approval needs to come from dad and mom. There needs to be that building up, as we'll see. But the criticism and always correcting, you know, a young person who is constantly criticized will lead to an attitude of thinking in their mind and in their heart that I'm a failure. I do not measure up to my parents. And we know that's a lie from the enemy. Kids are under so much pressure today. And you even think about the things that I've shared so far. The world, the secular, even psychology, teaches kids that your parents aren't the authority. Commercials, sitcoms, I don't watch them, but I read of things. They're always pulling down the parent, that authority, and telling kids that they need to be their own authority. We even see that in the spiritual realm within the church where the enemy is just trying to, you know, your faith needs to be your faith, not your mom and dad's faith. That's true, but the faith needs to be built and rooted in the Word of God. The thought of, have you ever heard this? Don't judge me. We hear that way too much today, don't we? Don't judge me. 
because you're not supposed to judge, and they take the Bible out of context. But here we see, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. Bring them up. This speaks of nourishing. Fathers are to tend the child, to build them up, to tend them. It reminds me of Jesus after his resurrection, meeting with Peter and the boys when he was commissioning Peter. Tend my sheep. That's an exhortation for you and I, dads, that we have for our, for our kids. They're our sheep. We're to tend them, to nurture them, to bring them up, to bring them up, build them up. In what? The discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, the word discipline. That's not a good word for many of us. Or it's not one of the words that is near and dear to our heart. But to be disciplined, or to be the one who disciplines. Kids need to be disciplined, and the fathers are to take the lead in the discipline of the kids. And some of us are grandparents, and this includes our grandkids. Let's look at a few scriptures, because there are even Christians who have the mindset that I should not discipline my child, I should not spank my child. And it goes against what the Lord has. And we'll tie this all in together, but let's look at Proverbs 13, verse 24. He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. He who spares the rod hates his son. The rod meaning paddle? I don't think they paddle kids in school anymore, do they? I do know they used to back in the day. I know from experience. And it worked. That teacher never, those teachers never had a problem with me the rest of the school year. It worked. It hurt. The Lord says discipline is a necessary part of God's tool and training that child. Discipline and instruction. In our culture today, many don't know that it's right and normal for a parent to discipline their child. Not out of anger, but out of love. And that's exactly how the Lord disciplines you and I, right? He does it out of His love. And this, I'll be strict, so honest right here. If there's one time that I hear the voice of God more than any other time, it is how I'm disciplining my child through... Uh, speech, through attitude, is that how I discipline you? Sometimes as we get busy and we're disciplining or whatever, we, we don't do it the way the Lord disciplines us. But we also have to understand that you know, our society tells us that our children are good. 
and that good is subjective, but what's the Bible say about children? They're sinners. That cute little baby, oh, we just adore them, but they're sinners. And God loves them. And the Bible says that in my sin, my mother conceived me. So we are born with a sin nature. We are not good. Society says, psychologist says that we were basically good and we occasionally do bad things, but we sin and then we do sinful things. We sin because we're sinners. But glory be to God, he comes and removes that sin. Amen? So the foolishness, the Bible says in uh, Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. So the mindset and discipline is correction. And then Proverbs 19, 18 says, Discipline your son while there is hope and do not desire his death. And so, in context, we are rescuing our children. I'm telling you, I hear more and more. I coached Little League Baseball this past year. I don't know if I'll ever coach again. The way the kids talk to their parents and the way the parents talk to the kids. <laughs> to drop the F-bomb, a little child, an 11-year-old, dropping the F-bomb to the parent and the parent dropping the F-bomb to them. That kid has no respect for authority because the parents have no respect for authority and the issue is God is not in the picture. But yet we make excuses, excuses, we put them on medication, we on and on and on and on and on. And the issue is just deteriorating in our society and our culture. And then Proverbs 23, verse 13 and 14. Do not hold back discipline from the child, although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Cheryl. We've got to have the mindset parents and grandparents, that we are rescuing and disciplining. Now, some kids, you don't, this doesn't mean go home and spank them automatically. There's ways to discipline. Some of you are smiling. Maybe you spank with too much happiness in it. That's not anger, right? <laughs> some kids, you just need to point your finger at them. I remember my grandpa very seldom did he raise his voice to me, but if he pointed my finger and said, hey, bub, I knew I was in trouble. That's respect. That's reverence. That's honoring. And we had that in our society, and that's even without being followers of the Lord. That's how far we've we've come. It used to be that was just, you didn't have to go to church or even be a Christian to understand that you honor your parents. But it says here too, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up and the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. This is vital. This is, this has, this is the foundation to what the Word of God is telling us. Instruction or admonish. It means to encourage to warn, to teach, 
using the Word of God, using the ways of God. We are to teach our children verbal instruction in the ways of life and the ways of the Lord, guiding them into maturity. It says here, discipline and instruction of the Lord. Look at Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart up from it. Now, guys, this does not mean that you have a Bible study every day. If you have that, praise God. But what it's saying here is instructing by teaching all about life and showing children. My wife is a beautiful example of teaching our kids, always has been, even when I want to have a Bible study all the time but teaching them the things of life. Teaching them the things that teenagers need to know. And what the difference is between obeying your parents and not obeying, and seeing those consequences, and how it's pleasing to the Lord. How do we do this? How do we first begin? What are some practical steps that we need to know when it says here, instruction of the Lord? Number one, you need to be following the Lord. If you're not following the Lord and you're trying to instruct your children from the Word of God, kids are so smart, they can smell a fake, they know it's hypocrisy, and you're leading them astray. And most of all, it's not pleasing to the Lord. And then what about evangelizing your children? Do you know if your kids are saved? That should be the first and foremost. Our first prayer for our children should be salvation. And as they grow older, praying for their salvation. And some of us have children that have fallen away from the Lord when they've gotten older. We need to continue to pray for them. Salvation. Do they know you, Lord? And intervene for them. And I don't care who you are the most spiritual person on the earth, you could have children fall away from the Lord. Praying for our children. And you know, the amazing thing is, we have a calling in our life to bring our kids up in the Lord, to train them. It's interesting, that word train. You know, why? and isn't it amazing how I think you'll agree with me, life goes fast. Those rough years with our children, training them, it goes fast, doesn't it? And there's so, here's where God's grace comes in. Are there different things that you would have done different to bring our kids up in the Lord? Probably every one of us. Oh, we need God's grace. And that grace needs to filter down to our children praying for them, counsel. we're counselors to our children. But you know, think of this word discipline, too. That's where we get the word disciple. We evangelize our kids, and then they do get saved. Then the next step is to disciple them. Give them opportunities to serve. Point, always pointing them to Jesus, how to follow Jesus. Our kids need to know how to follow Jesus because they're bombarded on how not to follow Jesus. 
If they're not seeing it at home, where else are they going to see it? They need to see us praying. They need to see us in the Word. They need to see us ministering to others. They need to see how we're others-minded. They need to see how we give thanks to God. They need to see us repent when we fall short of God. And we do that by teaching them, showing them. Again, our, our children, they're our sheep. Just as Jesus is the good shepherd, dads, you're under shepherds to lead your sheep. We'll stop there. And uh, it's powerful, isn't it? Learning about marriage relationship and parenting. But if you get one thing out of these four verses, remember His grace. God's not called you to be a perfect parent. He's called you to be one to follow Him with all of your heart. And if you have that, if you're following Him, God's going to work it out. He'll use your failures. He'll strengthen you. And your kids will see that. You are the greatest witness of who Jesus Christ is to your children. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord,